Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Fibro Animal Health Corporation, Healthy Animals, Healthy Food, Healthy World, Novus International Inc., a leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science, Alltech, providing you proven specialty ingredients to maximize pig health, sustainability, and profitability. DSM Animal Nutrition and Health is shaping the future of piglet care. L-Biotics, the pioneer postbiotic for digestive health in pigs. Brought to you by Adair Biome. With over a century of experience in postbiotics for digestive health, L-Biotics contains heat-treated lactobacillus cell bodies and their metabolites. Stable by nature, L-Biotics can be easily stored and incorporated in compound feed. I'm your host, Clayton Chastain, and today we have with us Ty Mitchell, an undergraduate research assistant at Texas Tech University. So Ty, before we get started, would you mind giving the audience a short introduction about yourself? Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me on here. Um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be an undergraduate researcher and be able to come speak on this podcast. A lot of people that I look up to and people that I'm learning from are featured on here, so it's it's really an honor. Um, well, my name, like you said, my name's Ty Mitchell. Um, I'm from N- New Mexico. Uh, my family's in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and so I grew up in, in in southern New Mexico, involved in agriculture and stuff. And so I study uh, animal science here at Texas Tech. I have a minor in chemistry, and just luckily, I, I got involved with undergraduate research. I work for Dr. Amy Petrie here, and uh, wow, that's been the experience of a lifetime. I, my growth in the last year has been huge. I've gone from you know just taking a part of a lot of master's students projects in our lab group to working on this project. It's, uh, I've been able to put my name on it and then get to do a lot of the work with Dr. Petrie. So um, that's kind of where I'm from and what I'm doing here at Texas Tech. I graduate in December. Um, so I'm eager to go to grad school and to continue on. I really like working in this uh, research field. It's certainly a, a, a passion of mine and, and seems to be a fit. Um, so excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're happy to hear, uh, have you here too. So let's talk about some of the, or that recent presentation that you gave at Midwest. Um, it seems to be looking into testing the possibility of utilizing trained immunity in the prenatal pig. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that study? Yeah, certainly. So the trained immunity study uh, was between uh, myself, Dr. Petrie, and then research scientists at uh, the USDA ARS, the Livestock Issues Research Unit here in Lubbock. And so that took part uh, with Dr. Sanchez, Dr. Carroll, and Dr. Broadway. Um, and so as I kind of introduce this, I want to start with just some some things that we know um, and some givens that kind of helped us formulate our research question um, and let us into, you know, exactly what we want to study. And so, you know, we know that, that stressors in early life um, are, you know, such as weaning, they likely dictate health um, in later life. And so we know that the stressors during weaning, such as stresses to the intestinal tract, um, you know, immunological changes, behavioral changes that occur during weaning, um, you know, that are a, or that are a result of, you know, commingling with other pigs or, or pathogen exposure or dietary changes. You know, these are all things that, that place great strain on the weaned pig. Um, and so in order to, you know, maybe modulate this immune system so that at the time of weaning, when they're faced with all of these stressors, they might be able to have a bolstered immune system. Uh, we studied into the phenomenon of trained immunity. 
which is the functional reprogramming of innate immune cells um, that's evoked by an endogenous insult that leads toward like an altered response towards a subsequent challenge. And so Dr. Carroll and Dr. Broadway and Dr. Sanchez, they had prior experience uh, doing a lot of this trained immunity work um, in, in beast cattle, and they've seen, you know, really uh, incredible results there, um, but largely uninvestigated in the pig. And so since Dr. Petrie and I uh, work with a lot of swine here at Texas Tech, that's where we um, collaborated together and started with that research. And so, uh, you know, a lot of the questions that we were asking was, can an immune system challenge in utero be used to bolster the immune system rather than hamper? We know that, that classically, uh, the perinatal period, which is defined as the end of gestation up to birth and then thereafter, that time period um, it has a high level of plasticity in terms of development. And so it's been widely cited amongst the literature uh, that, that stressors during that time period negatively impact you know, postnatal immune function, post-performance. We've seen a lot of studies, you know, whether it's a dietary imbalance in utero can cause um, problems later down the line. Um, we can see, you know, a, a lot of that, a lot of that work supports that notion. Um, but because of the, you know, the developmental time period um, and the adaptive responses that are taking part in early life, you know, we ask the question, well, can, um, can this be used to bolster the immune system rather than hamper? And so what we did is we took... Uh, 14 Canberra sows at day 78 of gestation, so in that last third, um, and uh, we inoculated them. We blocked them by weight and randomly assigned to a treatment, and uh, seven of the sows got an LPS, an intramuscular injection of LPS, and then seven sows just got a, an intramuscular injection of saline. And so during this 48-hour LPS challenge, we took a rectal temperature and a sickness behavior score um, at different time periods throughout that 48-hour challenge. And then we followed these, these sows through gestation uh, up to parturition to where we took a subset of their weaned barrows and barrows that were from both the LPS and the control sows. Um, we took a total of 34. Um, and, and we brought them to the facility at uh, the USDA, which is where we got to work heavily with, um, with the Livestock Issues Research Unit. And on day negative one of the piglet trial, all of these 34 barrows, they were anesthetized and they were placed for a, a subcutaneous temperature logger and a catheter. And then on day zero, all 34 of the barrows were challenged with the same strain of E. coli or of LPS, the E. coli 011B4 um, at 10 micrograms per kilogram of body weight. Similarly, we took uh, body temperatures, um, blood samples and sickness behavior scores at time increments. And then at the conclusion of... Um, at the conclusion of the 48-hour LPS challenge, all 34 barrows were necropsied for ileal and jejunal samples. And so, uh, you know, as we as we get into the results, that kind of just explained the experimental model and and what and you know some of the protocols that we saw. But some of the first data that we accrued was the sow data that showed that you know we had a mild immune response, and so we were able to confirm that that dosage was correct. Um, but interestingly, one of the one of the most one of the neatest things that we saw was that the subcutaneous temperature in pigs that were exposed to prenatal LPS um, was higher than the control pigs at hours one and two post-challenge. And so we saw the typical, you know, the increase in the fever response post-inoculation, 
Um, and then that returned to baseline in about 24 hours. But what we saw was that the pigs that were exposed to prenatal LPS, uh, they had a greater febrile temperature earlier at hours one and two. So that was some pretty interesting data. Um, we also saw from an oxidative status standpoint, we saw reduced levels of malandialdehyde, which is a measure of lipid peroxidation. Um, we saw reduced levels of that in the jejunum and the ileum. Um, and also to study cytokines and, 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 and proteins, uh, we did a 50-plex immunofluorescent biomarker assay uh, that showed us jejunal and ileal homogenates. And some of the interesting cytokines and proteins that we saw there, um, well, we saw, you know, an increase um, in stem cell factor in both the jejunum and the ileum. Well, stem cell factor plays a role in innate immunity through its uh, recruitment of mast cells or its effect on mast cells. Um, and so that's pretty interesting. Uh, we also noticed um, in the ileum, you know, pro-inflammatory cytokines such as tumor necrosis factor A and interleukin-6, uh, they were raised in the jejunum and the ileum. And so, um, you know, these are all signs that uh, the immune system of piglets and the oxidative status of piglets post an LPS challenge in utero, they have a, you know, a, a module a modulated immune system. And so we're seeing some differences. And although very much in a preliminary study, um, it's exciting to see to see the differences that we did and some of the data that, that we're still studying. Awesome. So yeah, I was looking at some of that data and um, that it was one of the interesting parts was, and you mentioned it a little bit already, of the decreased malandialdehyde in those challenged pigs. And also there was a, but there was like that decreased uh, total antioxidant capacity. So could you maybe uh, dive in a little bit to that and kind of help explain those results a little? Yeah, and, and honestly, I'll, I'll be honest, that's that's something I'm still learning and it's a little bit challenging to explain, but I know that, that malandialdehyde is a level, is a measure of lipid peroxidation from the T-bars assay. And total antioxidant capacity is a measure of total antioxidants. Um, and so ultimately, these two are inversely related. And if we see a, a decrease um, in lipid peroxidation, like we saw um, in the in the jejunum, then we should see an, in, an increase um, in total antioxidant capacity. But we, all, we ultimately, in our data, showed the decrease in MDA and lipid peroxidation in the jejunum. But uh, we also saw decrease TAC. And so kind of challenging to explain. Uh, but I know they're just measures of, of lipid peroxidation and, and total antioxidant capacity. Gotcha. And so with this kind of research, you mentioned that this is kind of like the preliminary research in this kind of phenomenon. So what would then be like the next steps um, for the team at Texas Tech? Do you plan to do like maybe looking at uh, longer studies and seeing more growth performance factors? Or what, what do you think is next there? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of possibilities that we could go with this. And like I mentioned, this is certainly very much preliminary data from from the piglet side. And so I know there's an interest in, in in meat science, you know, whether prenatal immune system stimulation affects, you know, high, muscle hypertrophy and hyperplasia. So further studies looking at that from, yeah, maybe a carried out growth performance study uh, to 280. Um, but from our perspective, studying the immune system, I think we could take a lot um, deeper look into how the adaptive immune system plays into this study as well. Uh, I think that would be also be interesting. And I mentioned stem cell factor was raised, but unfortunately we don't have a we don't have a number on mast cells. And so I think that connection between those two uh, would certainly be interested. But but definitely further research is warranted because 
the concept of trained immunity, um, you know, we need to further elucidate that that mode of action that's happening maybe in utero uh, to the piglet. And so there's a lot of potential here and a lot of a lot that we can go with in the future. Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Elbiotics, the postbiotic pioneer that helps maintain a healthy gut in pigs. Animin, international supplier of bioavailable precision minerals to impact pigs' gut health. Purina Animal Nutrition, where swine research becomes your return on investment. Life Start Swine, facilitated by Trow Nutrition, distilled science and real-world advice for better on-farm decisions. Life Start Swine, facilitated by Trow Nutrition. Distilled science and real-world advice for better on-farm decisions. Learn more at lifestartswine.com. Trow Nutrition, creating a brighter future from planet to plate. Yeah, I feel like there's, there's a lot of different directions that this could be taken. Yeah, but, certainly, um, certainly. Yeah, and so, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. So I thank you for uh, again for coming on the show and sharing all this research with us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It was great. Appreciate it. Yep, and to everyone else, thank you for listening to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast. Please visit us at swinenutritionblackbelt.com and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you won't miss out on the next episode. See you next week. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we are constantly on the lookout for the latest updates in swine nutrition. And if you have a swine nutrition related research trial that you would be able to share on our podcast, please send an email to nutritionblackbelt at swineit.com and we would love to talk about your research. See you later.